0: Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's.
1: Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer.
0: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Andrew Barron on today's show. You probably know him better as Hot Magic. Before we get into our game by game NFL DFS analysis, this will be our Wednesday show every single week on the Sports Grid feed. Need to remind you guys that we are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Season is kind of over, though not really, because they launched an NHL Best Ball tournament, an NBA Best Ball tournament. Both of those are live in the lobby right now. The NFL action—we're uh, we're still pumping the NFL bags. They have a Pick'em game that I've been having a lot of fun with. They have a Rivals game which is actually even more amazing because uh, if you're using any decent projections and we like to think the projections on daily Roto are pretty good. There are some pretty soft lines there. Uh, so lots of stuff that you can do on underdog right now, use the promo code grid to deposit. You'll get a free wager inside of their pick em game, a little deposit bonus for you there. And uh, you can use the code to, or you can use the link to download in the description of this show, Andrew, we're here week two ready to go. We got some new data, just got done getting yelled at by Colin for uh, still trying to ding AJ green in our projections. Cause he's an old. So we mm-hmm. we have filtered in some new projections and we are going to start with the crown jewel of the slate, the Denver Broncos at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Great game.
0: Uh, yeah, sure. It uh, <laughs> should be a good time. I think there's a lot of potential for, uh, for stuff to happen here i mean there's a lot of fantasy stuff that could go on in this i think it's a pretty interesting game like Denver's a pretty tough defense jacksonville has a garbage offensive line so like it could get ugly but i think there's it's a pretty high variance uh range of outcomes here so like there could be the sort of you know 50 pass attempts for trevor lawrence and uh i think that that's that makes it uh at least at least somewhat interesting to me what about you are you like are you just off this game i can't even tell if you're trolling it we're not uh we're not on each other's form yet, you know?
1: No, I I am trolling, but I actually do think there is a pretty good chance that one of Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, or Noah Fant ends up on the winning team in the lottos because Judy was, I mean, given how he looked, like Judy was like, I looked like too low on him for our preseason projections. I think I had Judy for like a 23% market share of the team's targets. And honestly, mm-hmm. he looked so good that that might have been low. So there's a huge role here for again, one of Patrick, Fant, or Hamler. Uh, don't felt, didn't, didn't feel the need to move Sutton all that much. I mean, probably, uh, Hamler is probably my favorite dart to throw because he's the guy who could get, who, you know, could, uh, score the long one, right? You know, get, get, get behind this, the defense for like a 60 yard touchdown. Led or the team in their
0: yards last week.
1: Yep. Yeah. So all, all of those guys honestly seem fine and weirdly enough Albert Okui Bounam played 57% of the team's snaps last week. I don't really have him projected I think yeah, I haven't projected for like 7% or 10% of the team's targets, but I mean, I don't know, they could just they could just decide with no judy to go a bunch of two wide receiver stuff.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting because Fant ran 27 routes. Okui Bounam ran 18 And they both played about a third of their slots uh, snaps in the slot. So like they were actually playing like they they both played more than half of the snaps. They were out there at the same time. Some, and one of them would play tight end and one of them would line up in the slot a fair amount. So I think you're right. I think there's a receiving role for both of those guys and they'll sort of rotate in there. I mean, they don't have, you know, Hamler's not like a designated slot Sutton almost exclusively plays out wide, but there's a lot of ways that they could rotate it in and out, so I'm with you. I think there's some opportunities, but it is—it's a fair amount of dart throwing. I do like the idea. Hamler had a you know 21, uh, a dot in that game, so like he only you know he got four targets, but they were deep ones. Teddy obviously is not particularly known for his willingness to to sling it deep, uh, which is maybe not super great for that. But Hamler looks to be his deep target in a you know the tiny sample that we do have without Judy.
1: And Teddy looked pretty good last week, so I don't know yeah. something to something to file away. The other side of the game, this can we stop trying to
0: make LaVisca all happen, bro? I mean, let's get he let's was, get let's get. He right was fine, it. bro.
1: He was <laughs> fine. He got like 13, I think he got thirteen DK points last week. I mean, that's uh-huh. the the big LaVisca games are going like it's going to be, he breaks, he, he shoulders through the safety and runs to the end zone. Like it's not going to be, he's not catching bombs down the field. It'll be like rookie year, Dante Pettis, you know, Percy Harvin type stuff where it's all, it's all run after the catch base. And they, they did a bunch of stuff to get him into space. Uh, I would like to be optimistic that urban Meyer semi gets things figured out that urban Meyer and Darren Bevel semi get things figured out. I don't feel that optimistic. Uh, one one thing I guess I do feel optimistic about is Shark is actually going to get fed. I think. Oh my God! Yeah,
0: he had oh. two hundred, almost two hundred air yards last week on twelve targets. You know, Viska had nine targets, but it's thirty-six air yards. He's you know he's four uh, a dot. You know he he is the little gimmick guy. And I'm with you. I think he's. I mean, I'm I'm mostly trolling you, but he's he is athletic enough and shifty enough. Like Percy Harvin's probably a pretty good comp. I think he can pull some of that off, but it's not going to be as easy as it is for shark. Who's going to get, you know, just when he, when shark catches the ball, he's way further down the field than Vizca is. So I think it's going to lead to a little more um to, to, to more big plays.
1: Yeah. Do you have any interest in a James Robinson rebound spot?
0: Yeah, I do. Actually, he got six targets last week. He ran 33 routes. He was actually, he played, he and Hyde had the same amount of uh targets plus carries, but, Robinson played two to one over him. He was the bigger guy. He was the guy on, on passing down. So I do think he's fine. this is not a great spot. Denver's a really good defense and Jacksonville has an atrocious offensive line, but I don't know, even in like a come from behind kind of script, like he would be more of the check down guy. Like I'm definitely not out on James Robinson yet. I think the hype on him was weird. Like I kind of think he always belonged in the seventies you know, like, and he was going in the nineties, sometimes a hundred in best ball. And I, I thought he was, you know, I was getting him a ton as my second guy that was doing a lot of zero RB stuff. And I don't think his role changed all that much with the Travis Etienne injury. I think Travis Etienne was kind of one of those, like the fantasy community trying to project onto somebody what we want to happen, but like James Robinson was the guy. And I think he still is. I just, you know, I think he's still sort of belonged maybe in the sixties, but he shouldn't have gone up to the thirties or forties where he was going, uh, either. I don't think I, you know, sol- solid play. I tough week for him, but I'm definitely going to have a fair amount of James Robinson still in DFS and I'm not out on him for a season long either. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, I don't have anything else on that game. Huge discussion point this week, Los Angeles Rams at Indianapolis Colts, one Cooper cup, obviously looking like, uh, the extreme chalk at the wide receiver position, but Daryl Henderson plays 97% of the snaps of running back last week, gives up one touch to Sony Michel in the fourth quarter. I basically have them similar. Um, so I have uh, 70% of the rushing for Daryl Henderson, and then I have him with a 9% market share of the targets. If that role from last week holds, he is you know one of the, one of the best plays at the running back position. Obviously, there's a little bit of volatility there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The one thing that would give me a little bit of pause, like I sort of expected this. I did think Henderson was kind of the lead guy. I did not think Michelle was going to take like half of the workload like some people were scared of. I mean, I understand being scared of it. They you know, they did trade for him, but it's also, I mean, how long ago did they get him? Three weeks? Like they didn't have like a whole long camp with the guy. So like they might be working him in. I do think he could eat into a little more, but yeah. So Michelle is kind of just a guy to me. I don't think he's someone who's, going to steal a ton of work so yeah i, I mean as of right now as, as of week one like daryl henderson was definitely the guy and i don't see any reason why that wouldn't continue other than like a you know i think they will work michelle in a little bit so it might not be the 95 uh share but you know we're not projecting that either so i'm pretty comfortable with it
1: and then robert wood saw his role diminish a little bit week one uh, lost yeah. some routes to Van Jefferson and stuff that is reflected in the projections. We have him for twenty one percent, Cooper Cup for twenty five percent. I feel fine about those allocations. And then also, Tyler Higby played every offensive snap for the Rams. He looks like he's <clears throat> going to be the big chalk at tight end.
0: Yeah, Tyler Higby was second on the team in routes run. He had twenty five. Cup had twenty seven. Like you were saying, Robert Woods only ran eighteen, and Van Jefferson ran twenty three. That. I guess that's concerning, but I also like, I don't know, I don't really buy that. Like Robert Woods, obviously very talented guy. I think it's a pretty decent bounce back for him, especially if you're right. Like uh, first runs, like cup is looking like the big time shock and that's good leverage. You know, maybe this becomes more of a woods game. We certainly saw them go back and forth quite a bit. Uh, And then I did, I was interested. I had a little bit, like I played 300 lineups or whatnot. I had a little bit of Deshaun Jackson in week one. He only ran 10 routes. Like I'm off of him for the time being. I think he will have some spike games for sure, but uh, it's hard to trust when he's barely, you know, when he's only playing what a quarter of the snaps. So not into him right now.
1: Yeah, same Colts side of the ball. I mean, Jonathan Taylor does again, look like an elite leverage play because Daryl Henderson Joe Mixon, uh, Harris, Najee my, Harris. Najee Harris. Yeah. Those guys are just going to eat up so much of the running back ownership. And then obviously you'll have your Christian McCaffrey and your Alvin Kamara teams. Uh, John, Jonathan Taylor had uh, seven targets, six or seven targets last week. He did, yeah. With Naheem Hines. I mean, those two guys led the team in targets, which I think is a natural response to having no wide receivers. I mean, the team has no wide receivers and no other than Moelle Cox, no real athleticism at tight end. So I, I think Jonathan Taylor's is DraftKings and FanDuel a really good leverage play at running back.
0: Agreed. Yeah. He's getting the work, man. He got a lot of stuff. The seven targets are definitely encouraging. The guy I'm like weird about is, is Michael Pittman, who I ended up, you know, I got a lot of him in best ball. I'm pretty, I like the idea of him, but yeah, he, and he, led the team in routes run. He ran 43 routes, but only picked up three targets with, you know, at six, eight dots. So he that's 17 air yards. Like I think that that will get better. If he's out there running that many routes, I think the chemistry will improve. I do think, you know, he they don't have the number one receiver. I don't think this is the week for it. Presumably he gets the Jalen Ramsey treatment, you know, like that ain't, that ain't pretty that he did a pretty good job on Allen Robinson last week. I don't think it's going to be any easier for Michael Pittman. But long term, I do want to be on him. Like he's a guy I think I'm going to get really into next week. I don't even know who they're playing yet. But like once the matchups get better and we've had a couple weeks of Pittman being cold and people start to project him for less and you can get him for low ownership, I think that's um, going to be a buying spot personally.
1: Yeah, uh, i i can I can see it. I don't know. Uh, like I just I don't know if he'll be that guy. Like I, I guess I just don't know if Pittman's that guy. And I don't know if Wentz is that guy. Wentz looks like he is just as much of a check down artist as Philip yeah. Rivers is, which is, you know, not great. The Las Vegas Raiders. So it's very hard to get Darren Waller in on DraftKings this week because we lose a lot of that wide receiver value. You know, you're having to play Cedric Wilson, you know, going back to the Elijah Well, but all the guys we played last week got bumped up in price right Jaguars guys got bumped up in price yep. Rondale got bumped up in price you know stuff like that so it's harder to get Waller in but I mean Waller does just look like a, a mega smash and I'm not interested in anyone else I'm not interested in Drake not interested in Jacobs not interested in Ruggs not interested in Brian Edwards I mean they none of these guys look appealing to me
0: yeah Pittsburgh's defenses legit too that's like that's scary what they did to Josh Allen last week they kind of did the old Giants against the Patriots thing where and this is very unlike Pittsburgh Pittsburgh generally is one of the most blitz heavy teams like year in and year out they have been forever Um, and they didn't blitz very much last last week against Josh Allen and just kind of sat back because the four guys they're rushing it's like T.J. Watt and Casey Hayward and they replaced Bud Dupree with Melvin Ingram which I mean he's he's old he's injured a lot But like, while he's in there, that guy is an absolute monster. Like from 2016 to 18, he and Joey Boso uh, in in Los Angeles or in San Diego at the time were like the number one pass rushing duo. They were such badasses. And he is really, really good when he's healthy. I think that's a major upgrade for them. He might get hurt at some point, but like if they can get pressure without having to blitz, like they're even scarier. So I don't think Derek Carr is going to be able to to peel that apart. I agree with you that, I mean, the volume on Waller is like kind of hard to ignore, but you know, make it Fitzpatrick is a really good coverage safety. I think they'll have, you know, it's going to, it's going to be troublesome. So if Darren Waller ends up becoming the, the 25, 30% owned guy, like I'm probably out on him at that point. We don't have Kelsey on this. Well, straight.
1: he he will be on FanDuel, but I, I actually think there's probably an argument that Waller is so much better volume wise than every other tight end that even at like 18% or whatever, he's still a good play.
0: Yeah, it's conceivable just because, the yeah, the volume is absolutely nuts. I, the efficiency is going to suffer against this Pittsburgh defense, but you're right, if he's getting 15 targets, who cares?
1: Yeah. All right, Pittsburgh side of the ball. Just run through your thoughts on Najee Harris, right? 100% of the snaps last week was targeted mm-hmm. in the passing game. Obviously, a much easier matchup this week than against the Bills. And, and what was like a weird game, too, like that just, it felt like a strange game for both teams. Like I'm not taking, I'm not deading Chase Claypool because he wasn't that good last week, you know, whatever. Um, I mean, Najee is going to be the most owned running back on draft games yeah. this week.
0: Yeah, because he got a big price decrease. He's 6,300 too. So like he's, yeah, a absolute bell cow, full workload guy, but not priced up with the, the Camaras and the McCaffreys and the other sort of guys with that role. I mean, it was... It was ugly. Like their offensive line performed as advertised. It was really bad. Um, I'm a little nervous about that. I tend to like the passing game more. I, last year, almost always had for, you know, two thirds or 70% of my lineups would have a play exactly one Steelers receiver because they all tend to get owned at a reasonably, none of them tend to be big time chalk because it's really hard to separate which one's going to get all the targets. But you know, Chase Claypool and Juju and Deontay Johnson, like most weeks, one of them go, they had like a, they had 16, uh, 20 plus point DraftKings games games between them last year. So like, I'm trying to get in on one of them uh, in in almost every lineup. And that's more where I'm interested in attacking. I also think that's okay leverage off of Najee Harris if they snipe touchdowns from him. So I don't know. I mean, Najee, obviously, yep, that's a cash lock pretty much 6,300 running back. That's going to get all the work but there are enough causes for concern to me that if he becomes the 35%, 40% owned guy, like I'm, I'm definitely coming in under that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Thoughts on their three wide receivers.
0: Uh, Yeah. I I don't really have, like I was kind of just saying, I don't really have a pecking order for them, Right. Um, but like I want one in just about every single lineup because more often than not one of them has a monster game, which I just explained.
1: Yeah. All right, Uh, Houston at Cleveland. So there are two big questions here. One, which is, are we buying the volume for Mark Ingram? If so, he is probably a theoretical GPP leverage play. At 5,000 at running back, I will say I have no heart in this, and I will not be playing him. And then also on DraftKings, again, PPR, can you feel comfortable paying seventy eight hundred dollars for Nick Chubb, knowing he's probably maxed it like two pass cat two receptions?
0: Generally, I want I want to say no, but I think this spot is insane. Like Houston's defense is you know coming in whatever they've had one game against the Jags, good for them, but their defense is supposed to be the worst in the league. You know the the script, everything here like sort of lines up for this to be a Chubb game. Um, I don't think he's going to get crazy ownership just because his projection for that 7,800 is going to be tough because he doesn't get much receiving work. But I think there's upside for the Nick Chubb, like three touchdown, you know, 130 yard rushing game with, yeah, with two for 13, which is, <laughs> isn't great. But I think that he could really, he can really smash without passing. And I think the, the roster ship isn't going to get out of control because the projection isn't going to be super awesome, but the ceiling projection like his ceiling, I think is right up there with everyone. I mean,
1: we, we, we even have him just because their team total is so high. Nick Chubb is not going to have a positive value projection on our stuff all that often. And he is actually positive value projected at running back, which really does not happen for him with 6% of the projected targets all that often.
0: Yeah. And he is uh, on DraftKings main. He is fifth in optimal percentage behind Najee, Kamara, McCaffrey, and Daryl Henderson. He's, tied with daryl henderson they're both 14.1 but he's getting considerably less roster ship and the sims know that's what that's the difference between like positive value on a medium projection versus the sims like the sims understand the variance in next Chubb game because so much of it comes from the rushing touchdowns and those can come and go so like he has his chance of like putting up the 30 point game is right up there with some of the other guys so i'm definitely buying because i think he will end up being one of the guys that gets lost in the shuffle because that price tag is uncomfortable and it's showing in the first round of owns. We don't have like tout data yet really. Um, and that's like a big, big part of the deal. so that won't start coming in until later in the week, but uh, just based on projection and value uh, around the industry so far, like yeah, Chubb is not hopping as, as particularly high owned and he uh, does have a really nice optimal percentage.
1: Yeah. All right. Wide receiver for the Browns. I mean, Jarvis Landry is a fantastic play. I, I might go back to the well on Donovan Peoples-Jones because he played 86% of the snaps for them last week, was out-targeted by Schwartz. But yep. Peoples-Jones was the one they were really talking up in the preseason. And uh, also, I just like want that to happen. So there's a little bit of wish casting there too.
0: I, I think there is, but I think you're you're not entirely wrong here. Like He ran 26 routes to Schwartz's 17. It's just Schwartz had 122 air yards and DPJ had three. So, it's not great. It's not, not what you want. It does look like Baker had his eye on Schwartz more, but, you know, yeah. The, the Theoretically, those both regress, and P, DPJ should have more targets than that. I don't know. Is he, like, 3K again this week? Because I might be with you a little dead, bit.
1: Dead yet. men. Dead men. Yeah. 3K.
0: Okay. I mean, it's a little trickier on a bigger slate, too, but... I mean, he might be like super low owned on like the AM or PM only slate whenever that game is um, as well. So like that, I might be more inclined to take risks on him there where there's not as mi- where there aren't as many games and not as big of a player pool. Like I'm not sanguine about the chances of Donovan people's Jones doing well, but I'm with you. If he's going to be, if he's flatman and like a true one percenter, he's definitely got a higher probability than that. Like he could, he, he, he certainly could make it happen. Yeah. I don't even know who Anthony Schwartz is. So
1: he's really good. Uh, he's like, he's 21 years old, was a a five-star high school recruit who went to Georgia. Uh, it just doesn't really, it just doesn't really have, or maybe, maybe it was Auburn. I need to go. I need to go look at that real quick. Um, but he actually, he actually is legit. Like if he ended up, if he ended up being good, I would not be that surprised. I don't, yeah, he went to, he went to Auburn for three speed 20, like literally just turned 21. Actually, I think he was maybe even, uh i think he was maybe even 20 years old in that game the other day because his birthday was wait just am I a massive day. donkey
0: for not knowing who when did he when did he get drafted third round pick oh uh, okay interesting. yeah, yeah th- i mean those peripherals you're saying like the five-star recruit big sec school four three speed like that sounds like a prospect to me so
1: yeah all right the san francisco 49ers who knows Right, so I, I moved Ayuk's target share down to twelve percent. That that target share could be zero percent, could also be twenty one percent. I moved Debo up to twenty five percent, but obviously that was a corresponding move with Ayuk. Right, uh, we don't know is Jimmy G is Jimmy G gonna play the red zone snaps? Is Lance gonna play the red zone snaps? Is Trey Sermon gonna be the lead back? Is Elijah Mitchell gonna be the lead back? Is Jermichael Hasty gonna play? Is Jermichael Hasty gonna be the goal line back? I mean, from from a median projections perspective. We have a 49ers team with a 26 and a half point team total, and we just don't know what to do with them.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Sanu still in the league ran 11 routes last week. It's, it's ugly out there, man. Um, Debo obviously was ungodly efficient. He only ran 25 routes, but he got 12 targets. Um, he broke a couple long ones. I mean, he was awesome. That's exciting. I'm a little concerned about Kittle, I guess. Um, I just don't think he's I, I'm close.
1: not I'm not concerned about Kittle because when they get in competitive games he's going to be fine no, zero concerns about Kittle for me
0: okay I mean he ran considerably less routes than the Wallers of the world you know like I just don't know if he belongs which in that which block, we knew right he's such a good blocker that does hurt him he is the best he is the best tight end in football but like part of tight end is being a sixth offensive lineman and that's why he's so much better than the other guys but um yeah it's it's just tough like as a fantasy guy I don't think he belongs in that tier one with Waller and Kelsey for the time being personally
1: yeah uh, especially with Jimmy G
0: out there you know I mean it's getting 5.6 a dot um last week you know 16 routes ran got five targets like that's fine but it's it's not like expensive tight end fine you know what I mean
1: yeah Eagles i I guess this is actually an interesting. This is an interesting wrinkle to the slate because Jalen Hurts was like the, well, he would have broken the slate had Kyler Murray not broken the slate last week. Uh, and no one's going to play him this week. No one's going to play Devonta Smith. Uh, certainly no one is going to play Jalen Rager. No one is going to play Dallas Goddard. No one is going to play Miles Sanders, you know, all, all of these things. And I don't know, after seeing what the Lions did last week, I'm at least a little interested.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was hilarious end of that game yeah San Francisco's defense is pretty pretty good but um I don't know I think the th- the thing with Hurts is like he's just he hasn't really proven it at the NFL level um he's been pretty bad from a like real life quarterbacking standpoint he was great last week but it's also against the Law Falcons so I don't know how much you can take away from that but like the thing is I think there's a lot of concern for Philly about their like they've had the best they like the reason they've been good for quite a while or like i mean they tend to underperform a lot but they've had like a top 5 offensive and defensive line for i don't know it feels like 10 years and the, the offensive line is going to take some steps back this week the defensive line maybe isn't yet i mean they still have Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham like those guys are monsters fletcher cox was like the best dude not named aaron donald at nose tackle for five years he's getting a little old he's probably not going to be as good but I think that they're still like a fine team and I think that the offensive line may be a little better than we think at first I think it's going to run into trouble because it's pretty old but uh I guess if no one's going to play him why not like we know what the ceiling is on on Jalen Hurts so uh and Zach and your boy Zach Ertz, your favorite guy um got a lot of you know ran a lot of routes
1: ran a lot of routes
0: Pretty deep uh, depth of target, you know, only two targets, but I think there's some, I think there's some stuff out there for him too. So we'll see okay. how it goes.
1: So the Bengals have a much more difficult matchup this week and Joe Burrow might've gotten hurt in the middle of last game. So I I, I believe this was Sam Hoppin that tweeted this. If if I miss attributing, I apologize, but burrow gets sacked gets up looks like he's banged up and they go run 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 punt over their next uh six plays or whatever when they got the ball back after that so there was some speculation that he maybe got banged up and that's why he only threw 27 passes despite the overtime more difficult matchup this week against the bears but you know we know chase higgins boyd those guys are all those are gonna buoy uh burrow's results i i I mean, our our ownership projections are obviously messed up on these guys right now, so I'm not even going to reference them. They need to be rerun. I would be pretty interested in burrow at like six percent ownership or whatever.
0: Okay. Um, wait, what's up? Oh, right, they're still sorry, they're still pulling in from uh from the showdown from last week. I will fix that after the show. Um, yeah, it, it's this is a this is a fun game. I think potentially like these are two really bad offensive lines and pretty bad defenses. So like there's some fireworks potential. I think the defenses are in play as well, but like, you know, bad offensive lines are what you want to target uh, DSTs with and then like bad defenses. I mean, Chicago might be really bad in coverage this year and we saw Jamar Chase like came out there, guns blazing, you know, ran 30 routes, seven targets, 114 air yards like he was getting them deep. He just like, you know, he was just walking them to sleep in Minnesota. Like he, he was killing dudes and he was a high quality pick. You know, he and Burrow went to college together. We'll see how that see how that connection is. And then T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd are also like really good receivers. I think there's a lot. I, I do want to get in on the Cincinnati uh on the Cincinnati offense this week, especially because I think Mixon will be popular and I think you can gain some leverage with the passing attack. And then also like the Bears defense by name does still garner some respect that I don't really think it should. Yeah, like Khalil Mack is awesome. And Roquan Smith is awesome, but like, who else do they even really have? Like, their i think their coverage could be really bad, and I think that that makes it a bit of a pass funnel. And I think that going for Burrow stacks this week is, is something I'm I'm interested in.
1: Yeah, uh, Bears side of the ball, I'm literally not interested in any of the players. Even even David Montgomery, despite looking good last week, gave up a bunch of snaps and work to Damian Williams. Uh, yep. I think Damian got like uh, 29% of the rushes, and like 12% of the targets or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't, yeah. There's a little, and until Justin Fields is the quarterback, I am basically protesting the Bears, even Allen Robinson.
0: Yeah, they each ran 20 routes. Montgomery got one target, Damian Williams got five. So I think Damian Williams, you know, played like 40% of the snaps and is more the third down guy. So I don't think Montgomery is your bell cow type. He's going to have, you know, it's he's shitty Nick Chubb, you know, like that's not, like that's not going to get it done most weeks i think Allen robinson is a fine bounce back he got smothered by jalen ramsey last week you know he ran a bunch of routes got 10 targets only 4.3 a dot you know that is sort of the dalton thing but cincinnati is a much softer landing spot for you defensively than the, than the rams so i think that that's a decent bounce back situation for him i'm definitely interested in using him as a run back in those burrow stacks
1: yeah all right, New England at the New York Jets. Uh, the one guy to cape up here would be Damian Harris. He mm-hmm. is not going to have to worry about Ramondre Stevenson. The question just is, are they going to start to give like Brandon Bolden and J.J. Taylor some work to keep Damian Harris fresh? Now, if not, you're talking about basically Nick Chubb's projection, but for 5,400, I mean, we have, a, we have a pretty big projection on Damian Harris because we have – uh the the him being clearly the lead runner and we have the Patriots being super run heavy so at 5,400 I do think he is a little bit of a play
0: oh I think so too and I'm a little cautiously optimistic about the passing game workload he ran 10 routes to James White's 16 White got seven targets but Damian Harris got three targets on 10 routes run like Mac Jones is going to be a check down artist. He threw 10 passes to running backs, or sorry, 11, because Ramondre got one too. He threw 11 passes to running backs last week. Like, he is going to be a check down guy. So, like, if Damian Harris is one of those dudes that, like, yep, every once in a while you get the two touchdown, 100 yard rushing game, but also can pull in, you know, whatever, two for 13, three for 20. Like, if he, if that starts becoming more of a thing and he's not like never going to catch passes, then he's a real, that's a real, that's a real value add. And I don't think people are going to be projecting that uh, to start.
1: Yeah, that, it, you, that you do make a good point. And it just basically, that is hoping that, um, you know, some of that check down work goes to guys other than James White, which if you're checking down on first downs and second downs, will go to other guys. Uh, yep. The New York jets. I, I literally, yep. if Crow, if Crowder is back, I'm literally not interested in a single player. Even even Corey Davis in in 150, I don't think I would be that interested in.
0: Uh, I don't know, man. I kind of like Corey Davis, but yeah, I mean Zach Wilson looks like he sucks. It's gonna, t- it's gonna take him a while, but like Corey Davis had like a you know had a monster game. They have a bad offensive line. Like I don't think it's a great situation for them as a whole. But yeah, that Corey Davis game was certainly impressive. I, but yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm more with you. I, Elijah Moore did. He got, he got four targets for, you know, the 91 air yards. Like, they were long. Wilson is going to launch the ball. So, I think fantasy-wise, like, he's going to have some monster games. And he can bring, he can drag that team along with him. The bad offensive line, playing against a good New England defense, that does seem like trouble. So, maybe not this week, but I'm going to have some weeks where I'm in on the Jets again, even if they're bad
1: Yeah, it just does not feel like a particularly good game environment. The New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers, uh, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey. Interestingly enough, I actually think those guys are not going to be mega chalk this week just because of Najee Harris, Daryl Anderson, you know, even like Joe Mixon and stuff like that. We didn't really talk about Mixon, but what what are we going to say about Mixon? You know, he's a real bell cow. Yep. So the, I, the, the interesting element here would be, do we buy into this Jameis resurgence at all? Because all of the pass catchers are cheap, right? Marcus Callaway still 4,200. He basically played the entire game. Deontay Harris, 3,900. He didn't play as much, but got deep. Troutman ran a bunch of routes, was on the field the whole game. He's 3,000. Uh, and then, you know, the bringbacks are very obvious with Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore.
0: Yeah, so here's the issue with that, right? Like, we're like, okay, cool. Jameis has an offense again. We love Jameis; always a really fun fantasy guy. You know, whatever. Lost a lot of money on him too, but certainly played my fair share of Jameis over the years. In one game, like he seems like he's playing more conservative Saints style. Yeah. So like the leaders and targets were Troutman and Kamara. like that's not great. The running back and the tight end. Camara had a five. Uh, or sorry, Troutman had a five. A dot. Camara had. Behind the line of scrimmage, a dot, a negative a dot, like that's not great. You want Jameis to be slinging the ball a little bit. You know, Megachok Marquez Callaway did nothing. Um, he ran 21 routes, only got two targets. They were those were the deeper shots, but um, you know, and like you said, Deontay Harris had a couple deep shots, but like he's not getting a ton of, he's not launching the ball down the field, which I think is a little bit concerned. That's what that's what I would want if I'm trying to buy in on the New Orleans passing attack.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just more of like uh, we know Jameis has that in him, and if this game ends up being randomly much more competitive than the Packers game, then you would yep. be much, you would be more likely to see him unleashed. Carolina sure. side, I am I, I am not worried about Robbie Anderson, but I just don't like he's not going to be a guy that I'm throwing darts on. Like this week, Robbie Anderson's fifty eight hundred, Terrace Marshall is thirty three hundred. I'm much more likely to dart throw on Terrace Marshall.
0: Oh, that's interesting to me. I think I'm more, I think I'm in on Robbie uh, this week. I think he and DJ Moore ran the same. They both ran 33, 34 routes. Uh, You know, Moore got eight targets to Robbie's three, but they had the same amount of air yards. Like Robbie got the deep ones. And I think he's going to get the softer landing spot. Like presumably DJ Moore will get more of the Marshawn Lattimore treatment. And who's there?
1: Lattimore's Lattimore's hurt, but you also know, I don't know anything about cornerbacks.
0: Well, I think they brought in Prince Mucamora, who's fine, but whatever. Yeah, it's I guess the point being more than like, I think Robbie has a fine spot. I think he's going to get over... I think people are going to kill him a little too much on the target share this week. And it looks like we have because his optimal percentage is not good. I don't think that DJ Moore should have triple the optimal percentage that Robbie Anderson does personally. So I kind of like him because I think he'll be a one two percenter this week i mean robbie
1: robbie saw his lowest target volume in his panthers career last week
0: Mm -hmm. yeah but he still ran a bunch of routes like can we chalk that up to do you know a one bad variance game i don't know they don't have like they made a downgrade at quarterback (laughs) that's that's the other thing so they went from teddy who's you know a professional to sam darnold who I don't know. Like, I know the narrative is like, oh, Sam Darnold's in a better spot. He got Adam Gase to death. But we have three full years of him being like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. I'm not sure that going to a Carolina team that also has a terrible offensive line is going to be like a panacea for him (laughs) becoming a real quarterback. I just don't really see it.
1: Yeah. All right. Buffalo at Miami. I am going to continue to be interested in the teams playing against Buffalo because, you know, Buffalo throws all these passes. That means they run a lot of plays if they get up. So, Buffalo gets up 14 0, which did not happen against the Steelers. They're still throwing the ball. That forces the other team to be pass heavy than you're talking about. Loads of pass attempts. Now, obviously, like no one, I don't have to talk anyone into playing digs, and no one needs to be told that uh, Devin Singletary and Matt Breed are going to be bad plays because they never run the ball. Though Singletary did play a ton last week. Singletary played like 80% of the running back snaps last week. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there are worse running back darts than Devin Singletary. But what I find interesting is that Beasley and Sanders were targeted a ton last week. Their prices don't move. They're still yeah. sitting at 4,600 and 4,000. I, I think Sanders looks like an amazing one-off in GPP tournaments.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I think he, let's see, he ran 52 routes to, you know, Diggs ran 55, Beasley ran 55. Uh, Gabriel Davis was the clear like fourth guy. He only ran 34. And Davis was playing in the slot. Beasley obviously is the slot. So Sanders is going back outside a lot. He's played a lot of slot through his career, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think he led the team in air yards last week, uh, over digs, despite having five fewer targets. So I think that Josh Allen, you know, high volume, high a dot targets from Josh Allen were very valuable last year. So they weren't in week one, but Pittsburgh's probably the best defense. It's kind of a special situation so I'm there I'm there I think that uh buying in on the Bills passing attack in general but especially Emmanuel Sanders at that price is gonna be something I'm interested in
1: yeah all right talk me out of Will Fuller being my highest owned wide receiver in tournaments this week $4,800 Will Fuller in a team where in a game where they should trail and in a game where Tua should be really encouraged to throw the ball deep Well, here's the thing on Will Fuller,
0: and it it has looked really stupid over the years because he's one of these guys that defies all logic with this, but Will Fuller is so highly varied. You know, he's super fast. He has tiny hands. You and I were arguing about this like six years ago at Fantasy Insiders about Will Fuller's prospects or whatever. He's got small hands. He's not great at catching the ball, but he's so goddamn fast, and when he gets free down the field, like, it's over, and he can put up massive games. He's also had like one of the best quarterbacks in the league throwing to him uh, for the last few years. Not going to be the case this year. The thing with Will Fuller uh, is he is like a crappy version of kind of Tyreek Hill, where you want because he has so much variance in his game. It's all deep targets. It's all speed. You want to play him when he's not popular, and you want to avoid him when he's chalk. Now counterpoint, last year, uh, what was it, week six or whatever? Like he'd been terrible and low owned all year. <laughs> And then, like the one week he's 50% on, then he puts up, he has his 200 yard game. So it can look really bad if you get that wrong. But if Will Fuller's not owned, like I'm definitely, I want to be over the field anytime Will Fuller is sub 5% on, for sure. If Will Fuller, you know, on those weeks when he's 30% on, he's, a, I mean, I hate to say it and it looked dumb, but he's a bad play when he's 30% on because he, it's so easy for him to fail. So that's my Will Fuller. That's my Will Fuller Jacob. I'm, I'm with you. Go for it. Take him. Have I,
1: I think he's going to, I think that his failure stuff is a little bit overrated because now he's not playing with Hopkins. Now he's the guy. Right. And I think that okay, changes he's the calculus. Tua
0: instead of, you know, instead of DeSean Watson.
1: I don't, I, I, I think you could even argue that Tua throwing like, like little screens and stuff to him actually might even be a little bit better. Now, obviously Tua is going to be way worse at throwing the ball down the field than Watson is but they'll be more likely to generate high completion percentage, easy plays for Fuller, I I think.
0: So you're turning Will Fuller into fancy LaVisca Chenault? That's what we're doing here?
1: On some of the plays, I don't know if they're going to use him that way, but they might. I mean, we have Fuller for 21% of the targets and for 8.5 yards per target. 21% feels reasonable. 8.5 yards per target is like a whole yard lower than his career average
0: then that's because he gets targeted way downfield. He gets bombs from good quarterbacks and he's really fast. I'm a, I'm a little worried, but I hear you. And it doesn't first run. He does not look like he will be particularly popular. So I'm definitely, I want to buy early if he's not going to be big, because I think the monster games are going to come. Um, and if he doesn't uh, garner a bunch of ownership, I'm fine with that. I think the, the more interesting question is like, who does he cough? You know what I mean? Cause Parker, I don't, I think Parker is the other outside guy waddles more the slot waddle ran 75% of his routes in the slot. I think honestly, he might cough in Mike just sick who like oh, didn't play much tight end. Who, was, all, who most, was
1: already coffined?
0: Well, he ran 17 routes. He, you know, he did like half as many as Devonte Parker. He was out there a fair amount. He got three targets. Like I, you know, it's just and Wilson. I think that get pushed out. Cause I think waddle will run almost exclusively in the slot and it'll be Parker and Fuller on the outside.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I, I moved Gasicki down to nine and a half percent of the team's targets.
0: Yeah. Cause he's a, I mean, he's a wide receiver and unfortunately he's not really a tight end. Like Durham Smythe is a better blocker. So like they have him in there and then like Gesicki ends up being the wide receiver four, which is not a good role.
1: Yep. All right. Minnesota at Arizona, pretty easy game. There are three playable guys for Minnesota, Dalvin cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. All of those guys are good tournament plays this week because none of them are. None of these guys will enter the chalky cash game single entry three max conversation, right? Like no one's throwing Dalvin in cash. No one's playing Justin Jefferson in cash. Uh, people seem to never want to play Adam Thielen, who scored two touchdowns last week. I, I have nothing interesting to say about Minnesota. If you want to use, you know, one of these guys as your bring back in an Arizona stack or whatever, seems good you want to double stack Kirk cousins at very, very low ownership, that seems fine. If you want to play Dalvin cook instead of Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara, that also seems fine. The interesting element of this game is one can chase Edmonds continue to be a dart in single entry three max as your second running back. And two, when do we think the AJ green flipping happens to the point to where Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore will actually look good in our projections. Cause they don't right now.
0: Uh, I don't really see it, man. I think A.J. Green is the every downs uh, second outside guy off the Popkins. Uh We were talking about this a little bit earlier. You were right. Kirk did play a ton outside last year. But, like, our depth chart um, source had Kirk as the primary slot receiver. And he played 96% of his – um, of his snaps in the slot last week, Rondale Moore also played 80% of his snaps in the slot. Rondale Moore only played 30% of the snaps overall. He's a part-time player. They'll work him in. I hear you, but I think for right now, what they want to do is have Hopkins and AJ Green on the outside, which means Kirk and Moore are splitting slot snaps, and the you know, and the other 20% of the snaps where either uh, Hopkins or Green isn't out there, one of them will go out wide. But I think in general, it's going to be those two fighting for the slot snaps, which isn't a great way to start. Now, eventually does AJ green get hurt? Whatever. Is he just terrible? And they, they give up on him. Like, sure. I think that could happen. And I hear what you're saying. I think the uh, logic makes sense, but I don't think it's happening yet. And so I don't, I'm not comfortable with that for this week. I fit. I still think AJ green is like not the most insane tournament play. You get this amazing quarterback against a pretty bad defense with bad secondary. Um, I don't know. Yeah. He might be totally dust, but he's going to, you know, no one wants to play AJ green, but he's a presumably under $4,000. He has one of the best fantasy quarterbacks, if not the best fantasy quarterback thrown to him. He's and he played 80% of the snaps last week. I don't know, man. 3,700.
1: Yeah. I'm not playing him. Not after not. I, I watched, <laughs> I watched last week and I thought like, okay, first off if AJ green's going to look good. It's going to be in the first game of the season before anyone's hit him. And he looked terrible. Kirk looked good. Rondale looked amazing. I've seen this story play out. You, you, I mean, maybe, maybe Cliff just does what he did with Fitzgerald and never benches him and keeps, you know, keeps Rondale on the bench all year. But it, I mean, Cliff is coaching for his job. So that would be insane. And maybe he does it, but it's, it feels insane.
0: Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Rondale only played 30% last week. I'm just like AJ green ran more than double the routes of him. Like, I just don't think that's, you know, yeah, the upside on rondale Moore is certainly higher. I'm with you. But I think that AJ Green probably has just as good of a of a target share. And he got, you know, he got an end zone target early. He could shake the guy. <laughs> Dude, like, just blew it up, blew up the play pretty easily. But uh, I don't know. I, I, think I'm, I think I'm trying to buy on AJ Green. He's an old, yeah, by week eight, we're totally, it's not happening. But I think it's a reasonable buy low spot this week. He's not going to get owned. So.
1: Yeah. All right. Next game uh, Atlanta, Tampa Bay, you know, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts. uh, I think Gallman is going to be active this week for the the Falcons. So that's going to mess things up a little bit. Make what what are you doing with Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans? I assume your, your GPP brain is just like, all right, well, we got to jam Mike Evans at what'll be his lowest ownership when they have a team total this high. Uh,
0: yeah, obviously, yeah, a little bit. I want to play the best receiver there. Now, I mean, Antonio Brown is probably the best receiver there, but Mike Evans is a monster. I love those, like, I love huge, uh, huge dudes like that that can move. I don't like the Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Flunches of the world, but if you're big and can actually move, uh, let's do this. I am a big Mike Evans fan. I'm with you. I think really Tampa Bay is a very similar situation to Pittsburgh, where it's like you want to be playing one of those receivers. In almost every lineup even if it's not a game stack just like have some one-offs a lot of those guys it's hard to pick which one is going to do what um you know yeah i think brady and antonio brown clearly like each other they had an offseason to work so like maybe he does become the guy that just like absolutely takes over you know he is one of the like five best receivers to ever play the game so it's conceivable that he um that uh that like he just is the overall alpha, but I think really it's just going to be like play one of the receivers in almost every lineup. And one of them is going to go nuts. And I'm going to hope that it's Mike Evans this week because he's the lowest owned and therefore the highest uh, payoff if it works.
1: And then, I mean, with a 32 and a half point team total, we have to ask, do you do, are we playing Leonard Fournette? I mean, I will not be, but are you?
0: Uh, I mean, I think I'll probably play Rojo still. I think he was the starter and then he fumbled. That's what happens in the Bruce Arians offense. You fumble, you're dead for the game. Like I, and rojo fumbles sometimes but i think i'm going back to to that well more than anything else um on the running side if i'm if i'm going there i think it's more rojo for me but it's a little bit it's certainly scary because he, anyone can get pulled at any time tampa bay just has so many dudes you know i was like i'm trying you know i'm wish casting an oj howard year. there's still a possibility because well, Gronk is old as hell and like he might lose out at some point but um like if he slows down and gets hurt, but yeah, OJ Howard did not play week one. It's not great. That's not what you want.
1: No, I mean, and then one other thing is like Kyle Pitts is probably going to have a 22% target share all year, but he's priced up a little bit. It's, it's a little bit tougher because there are actually tight end plays that we want to play this week. Uh, Are you
0: concerned at all? Like season long wise about Ridley and, um,
1: yeah, just because they, they might, they might just be a nightmare. Like the Falcons might just be such a nightmare. Um, seems low probability but certainly it's a higher probability than i thought last week mm-hmm. tennessee cincinnati you know we saw we saw the lows of what happens when the play action stuff is not working and montana hill can't do anything but again basically the same game as last week right tennessee bad defense seattle not a particularly good defense high total 24 and a half point team total for tennessee 30 point team total for seattle aj brown julio jones coming in very uh, much lower owned than last week. And then honestly, same for Metcalf and Lockett. Those guys are going to be five, 10%, same ceiling exists. And also Chris Carson, just absolutely popping in the projections.
0: Yeah, he really is. That's a, that's a big one. Cause it's that huge total against a really bad defense and like a solid market share. So I do enjoy Chris Carson. I think that he does make for like, it's, I don't think his own, his ownership is not going to get whacked you know, it's not going to get into the twenties just because there are other plays there. So I like doing that. I think you can, you know, correlate him with a run back of AJ Brown or Julio Jones. It was just, yeah, it was a disaster week one. This was my biggest problem because I actually did not have, uh, the peons were a little low on these guys. Like I thought they were going to be a little bit lower. So like Tyler was my highest QB. I had a ton of Tyler, Tyler and, uh, Hawkins stacks. And then, you know, the run backs were not working. So that was a real problem. I don't think, you know, I don't think that Tannehill is gonna get sacked five times by one dude again. Generally, he has a pretty good, you know, a decent offensive line. So I am definitely bouncing back here. I do think like the Tennessee passing game created a ton of value for us. You know, that was like all my best sweats were from Tennessee passing sacks last year. And I think that's gonna be the case last year. Drewby won a couple big tournaments with because it was Corey Davis last year was the, Oh my God, this guy's 3% owned and has like a 9% optimal probability. Like he's an absolute smash. And now they've replaced that guy with Julio Jones, who, again, that's we're just talking about it with Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, also like one of the five best receivers to ever play the game. He's old, but he's been good when he's played. He just hasn't played as much. It's not like the AJ green thing where he plays and stinks. It's like, he's really good when he does play. Um, so I want to be I want to be jamming Julio Jones for the first month until he inevitably gets hurt.
1: And then the game of the slate: the Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Chargers. Super high team total here: twenty-six for Dallas, twenty-nine for the Chargers. Dak, Amari, CD, Zeke, Cedric Wilson, Dalton Schultz, even Blake Jarwin, I guess, all in play on DraftKings for the Chargers. You know, you have the uh, of course Herbert. You have the mega mind with Austin Eckler, like maybe the hammy was bothering him last week. And he actually gets 10 targets this week. Keenan Allen, cool. Mike Williams with one of the best games of his career. Uh, you, you know, Jared cook, if you wanted to, and then Jalen Guyton actually ran a bunch of routes last week. He's more of a wind sprints guy, but sure is. this is, this is, this is the game. I mean, this, I I'm, pl- I'm playing this stack in all of my single entry teams and I won't be doing anything else.
0: I'm pretty sure it's Jalen Guyton that is my like showdown nemesis because he will be a $200 starting wide receiver that's like 3% owned in these mega lotto's and just like can't do anything. It's like that is the absolute nut corner. You know, like you're getting a starting wide receiver for $200 with a guy that bombs the ball and no one's playing him. And yeah, he's he's a sprints guy. I hate him. Uh, Josh Palmer doesn't look like it's happening yet. That's another guy we as a community are we're sort of hoping would. Would have something, uh, eight routes run last week, so he's definitely not in play. Yeah, Cowboys are also sort of whack a mole. Like Cooper and CD. I think you know, one of them's gonna have 30 points this week. I, I'm, I have no interest in predicting which one it's gonna be, like, it can change from week to week. What sure. about,
1: what about both of them?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you can do it. They are, they have pretty dumb price tags, right? I think it's like very affordable to make a full Dallas deck. Yeah, it's with, not with hard. with that. Yeah, yeah, 6,800, 6,400. 6,800. So I mean, yeah, it's $4,000 less than a full, than a Mahomes Kelsey Reek stack is normally. So yeah, it's not hard to do that. And I think, I mean, it could be absolutely monstrous. Like I think that could be, I'm with you. I think that probably is the premier play. Those price tags are dumb. These guys are going to throw the ball a lot. It looks like. It's just Uh, really not that hard.
1: Like DFS doesn't have to be that hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Right. And play these guys, like they'll be popular, but, play them and then you just do one or two weird things somewhere else like you don't have to be and this is where i struggle certainly with single entry because so much of my field like what i study what i bring to the team here is mostly in like game theory that's like my job is to create these simulations and find out the like most ev bets that are long shots and so like when i make a single entry team my god like if i do an nba it's just like i'm horrible at it because my whole thought is about like how i'm getting a sort of portfolio out of these dudes so like i'm a I play MME well, but for single entry, it's like, oh, yeah, I put myself with six pivots in here, and that was dumb. You don't need to do that. Just a couple. You know, you got to do one or two weird things in every lineup, but you don't have to go completely crazy. And, yeah, not playing a fair amount of this game is probably overthinking it.
1: Yeah. All right, everyone, there we go. Game by game slate, we will have the premium podcast where we go by position and get a little bit more in depth on the projections up on friday on dailyroader.com make sure to download the underdog fantasy app use the promo code grid to do that and uh, i will be back tomorrow with josh norris from underdog
0: reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing Uh, (laughs) that's definitely not a problem